Our scripture reading today is coming from the book of Revelation and chapter 2, and Karen is our reader. So Karen, you can come on up. And Today's reading is Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It can be found on page 1138 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write... These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To those who are victorious... I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The word of the Lord. I invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace, we come to you as a group of folks from different places, different experiences. We're on different journeys. And um, as we come and sit down in this room together, uh, may we entertain the possibility that we're here for a reason. And that you, in fact, have brought us here. And that our journey has your hand all over it and has your fingerprints all over it. Even though we might look at it and say, it's so flawed. It's, it's despite the sense of Maybe a great sense of we know who we are, we're excited about what life could be, and we've experienced successes and growths. At the other hand, there's, there's the things which we would love to just keep from the world and we'd love to remove from the story of our life. We're more of a mess than we care to admit to the people here, and at the same time, we're opening up our ears right now to your message, to your story, and to your love, which that story tells us that we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever imagined, who entered into the place of the flawed, the place of the broken, the place of the guilty, so that we could be rescued from it, and we could be um, reintroduced to an identity as your children. So we sit here and sure, we're, we're a mess, we're broken, our lives are imperfect, our devotion is flawed, and yet you have hold before us the promise of your embrace. Even though you see all of the mess, you choose to embrace and bring us home. Please speak to us now, speak to this church in a way that our lives might be changed through that grace, through that love, and through that embrace. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Uh, last week, the question of the week, which um, 
If I didn't mention, but there's a contact card tear-off in the worship guide that, um, that always has a question of the week. And um, so people fill that out and drop it in the basket later in the service. I'd love it if you'd fill out this week's question. Um, also, that's a great way to let us know something about your needs, your needs here or your a prayer need or a desire to connect with someone. The contact card. The question last week was... Um, let me make sure I say it right. It was, should a church community evaluate itself once in a while? Should a church community evaluate itself once in a while? Kind of not, it's kind of for some I'm not really sure why, but that's an odd question. We, we don't usually have a question like that. A little bit of an odd one. And, but yeah, we got a whole bunch of answers from people, which I just love it. So if one person says, um, I, I, love the, I love the variety of answers. Um, so someone says, what really is a church community? And that's, that's their answer to the question. I love it. It's like, and they, they put skeptic in residence. So they're already, you know, somebody, one of you decided to deconstruct the question itself. I love it. Somebody said, most definitely, we all hope for improvement. Somebody else said, yes, evaluate or be evaluated. Um, someone else says, I have the facts and I'm voting yes. Um, I have the facts, and I'm voting yes. Um, someone else said, you can only improve that which you can measure. Someone else said, um, it, it, would be a, it would be good to do a quarterly survey regarding important topics. Keep it simple and room for recommendations. Um, I just love how that brought out all kinds of different thoughts and vibes and feelings. Like, yes, we should evaluate. In the, in the Early church, there was an urgent time, a tumultuous time in the church's history, the church's story, the church's mission as it moved forward. And in that time, we just read from this, this epistle, this letter that was written for the church in this difficult, urgent kind of time. And, and it contains within it um, this letter, this, this letter from Jesus through a vision that John is having the Apostle John, and then he's communicating it as sort of like this, this letter to the churches of his era that are in kind of in trouble. And just to give you a sense of the urgency of this time of the church, there's just a lot of persecution. And the church is being driven out. People who, who connect themselves to Christianity are being driven out of places and not told they could live in certain cities, and then being captured and even killed for their faith. So... One person talks about this time, one, one historian talks about this time when this book of Revelation was written for as the atmosphere being, um, or it breathes the atmosphere of a time of wild commotion for the church. Another person says, um, this is a time uh, of sudden and repeated calamities and adversities which have befallen the church. That's actually a quote from Clement of Rome from that period. Sudden and repeated calamities and adversities had befallen us, Clement of Rome says. So there's urgency. It's tumultuous time for the Christian mission and for its kind of movement as a group forward. And it's a very, a lot of disorienting stuff and what's going to happen and what should we do? And so this whole epistle or letter of revelation, which includes some really fun stuff that we're just kind of going to bracket off and zero in on one part of this book, 
but you can have a lot of fun with the imagery and the, um, the it's a it's a style of literature called the apocalyptic style of literature that had other parallels in its day. Um, we won't go down that road, but it's got a lot of fun stuff in this book, and has created a lot of difficulty for people who think you can just open up the Bible and it'll tell you what to do, because it's like, well, what do you do with a lot of this bizarre imagery? So we're going to zero in on the easy part, the part where we get this sense of there's John, he's having a vision. It's not just a dream, a, you know, it's kind of like you know, a dream type thing. It's more of like God is revealing something to him. And then Jesus gives letters. These are letters from Jesus to these churches who are in this tumultuous time. And there's a deep sense in all of these letters. There's seven of them to seven different churches. So each of these little congregations have its, has their personality, just like our church here has a personality, and maybe you grew up in one that had a different personality, and there's another one down the street that we don't even know about. They have their own little personality. And each of these seven churches has their own personality, their own characteristics, and they all get this little little tiny evaluation, this little encouragement plus evaluation to all of them. How are you doing, you know? And in many ways... It, Boy, what a gift in a tumultuous, urgent time to get like a clear message of the one you follow, the one who died and rose from the dead, Jesus, is seeing what you're doing and seeing how you're, you're acting in the health of your church and is going to give you a message about that and encourage you along so you have some clarity as to whether you're getting it or not, whether you're on the right track or not. It's pretty cool. And we're going to look at it a little bit that way towards you know, City Life Church here as a church that's coming up in a few months on our eighth birthday. So we're seven and a half years in. And there's a lot of things you could look back on. I don't know if, how long you've been around. Some of you have been around a long time. Some of you go back to year one, and some, not very many of you, but some of you go back to year one, and others go back to um, you know, last week, and all the way in between. And so you might think back of the story and history of this church and the genesis of this church and have different thoughts and different images and different things that you draw on or different moments of urgency in our church. I think of year one and sort of the desperation of just getting this all started and all the work that it's going to take to get something out of nothing to start, finding a place to meet, all the setup, all the takedown, um, all the business of just who's going to say what and do what and how's it all going to go and will anybody show up? And the, and the six people, the three married couples who were essentially our main committed help in that first year. I mean, that was, we, we didn't hardly have anyone. My wife, Lisa, and I, we just three other couples. And there were some others that maybe tried a little bit, but then they kind of had to leave a couple months in. But there's three couples who regularly helping in that first year. I just think of that time as, you know, everyone hang on. Let's see, let's see if we can do this. Let's see if we can get going. It was urgent. It was desperate. We moved to this place. We started in a theater called California Stage, and then we moved to the Eastern Star Temple by Sutter's Fort, right across from Sutter's Fort. A few of you met us there. A lot of beloved friends came right in that time of 2009, 2010. Then there was a year, 2011, which was, I think it was that summer, there was just an unusual, so we had developed some, some critical mass, a fair amount of people in our community, and that summer, a whole bunch of people had to move on for really good, healthy reasons, many out of state or to a different part of the state. Um, the Johnsons, Ryan and Karen, to China, <laughs> to follow God in, in a calling to go to China. 
But you could go down the line of other folks during that time. Andrew Wang went on with his medical career. Um, Bill and Andrea, Andrea, or Andrea, Bill and Andrea moved on. Um, so all these people, you could come up with your own names. Jason and Carolyn moved to Nashville. And then in um, 2011, the city said, no one can meet in this building anymore because there's a crack in it. <laughs> and so that Thursday we find out, and Sunday we got nowhere to be, and and I don't know, some of you might remember, a few of you were there. And I, and I thought, well, this is a moment. This is an urgent moment. I mean, this is like trying. We don't even have our next space yet. But we got together with donuts that Sunday on the steps of the Eastern Star that we couldn't go in because the sign said, don't go in right behind me. And I, you know, I pictured myself like Moses, you know, before the Israelites, you know, and all, all 30 of the Israelites that were there and... <laughs> Uh, and the kids doing sidewalk chalk, and I gave this amazing speech that some of you remember about, you know, this isn't gonna, this is gonna make us stronger, and we're gonna move on, and God is doing something. And um, and it really was, it did. I mean, I, I joke, but it, there was some, there was urgency, there was this stuff. Yeah, what is gonna happen? But yeah, we are, we're all ready for whatever it means. And we ended up finding a place to meet in the afternoon, right across on the other side of Sutter's Fort. So we had to do a few trips around the block and move some of our stuff and move a piano and things like that. But we did it, and then came along, um, we eventually moved here. So Super Bowl Sunday, 2013, we said, well, we think we want to move into this space right here, Soul Collective in Cap City. And so we did a, an open house on that Sunday. We didn't have a worship service. We just said, let's, let's take the day off. It's Super Bowl Sunday after all, and we were meeting at 4 p.m. So it was kind of a no-brainer to not have a worship service at 4 p.m. on Super Bowl Sunday. And we, we opened this up and come see. And what do you think? Could, could church happen here? And could our kids' ministry happen next door? We had donuts out on the sidewalk again and uh, coffee and kids drawing chalk on the sidewalk. I don't know what you think of the history of City Life Church, but the, all these things, kind of the stories. And, the, of course, the people. And many of you who have become just near and dear over the months and years to what this community is. And as much as um, I would love to say, I have, a, you know, I have a letter from Jesus of what he's seeing to us today. I don't. I don't know what Jesus... He, he, those letters to these churches were wonderful. We don't have one, but we can kind of look um, at the themes in this letter to Ephesus in chapter 2 of Revelation. Theme 1 would be perseverance, really strong theme, that is complimented. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. And it comes up again. Um, it comes up in two different verses there. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. Um, perseverance is interesting. When times get urgent, what do you do? In City Life, I don't know that we're in an urgent time as a community right now, but in many ways we need to remember that God's mission always has an urgency to it. And if you lose that, you sort of lose the whole thing. And so what is urgently needed? We've got this thing that I love to point back to, the, and there's sort of a, the big four of descriptors of the city life culture that we want to persevere at. There's this thing called the seven accents of ministry of City Life Church. It's our philosophy of ministry. So if you went to a newcomer's lunch at some point, we would, we would say, hey, just, just so you know, this exists, and, and let's just go over this list real quick. Four of them really stand out as like our our invitational, kind of our hospitality, our warm welcome kind of vibe. A culture of comprehensibility, we say in this, in this document. 
We don't use in-house language that comes from a Christian subcultural heritage. We talk about things in the ways that show we know how non-religious people in this area think and that we know the barriers and problems they have with organized religion and the Christian faith. Sort of commit to persevere in that understanding. Hospitality, second one. We plan on new people being in the room at all city life functions. The best thing we can do is make three people in a room of 50 to 100 feel like we totally expected their presence. A culture of inviting, we view city life not as existing just for those in the room, but just as much for those people we know who don't go to church, who aren't here. And a fourth one, kind of of the big four of the invitational culture here, is the culture of process and journey. People, by and large, do not become Christians in one single experience or encounter with the gospel. We live in a broken world full of broken people, The work of redemption is a chaotic journey in which we are all in the same boat, greatly in need of God's grace every minute of every day. Basically, what these things bear out in concrete actions and participations in this community over the day, over at the end of the day. The big four, the big four of the culture of being an inviting church. It means that we process faith without kind of sacrificing a normal-sounding vocabulary. You know, we dig deep into what faith is. We talk about it. We pray about it. It's talked about at our community pods deeply without sacrificing a normal-sounding vocabulary so that we hope we never hear someone say, you know, I, I visited, but I could never really be at home there with that group of people because I don't have enough religious-sounding jargon. <laughs> Another concrete sign of this is happening, it was recently at a newcomer's lunch when somebody said, what I like about City Life Church is that I can invite my friends and I don't have to feel like I have to sit them down and give a big long explanation about why we do the things we do or all these disclaimers and caveats about what they're about to experience. I would say that's good job City Life with expecting new people to be in the room and having just a natural way of making them feel comfortable. I think that we, we, we have done this well. We have expected that new people will be in the room, expect that people are in all different places. Somebody's, somebody's got a phone ringing. <laughs> Might want to get that. It's okay. <laughs> Another, another like, really clear example of this is if you're sitting here and we're talking about something on Sunday at, in church or something within one of the confession prayers, something in the service, and you say, I was just talking to my neighbor or my friend about this exact thing, and I really want them to hear <laughs> how that is being dealt with at City Life Church. That's a huge success. So there's perseverance. It's right here with the Church of Ephesus, but what are we persevering in? We want to persevere in that kind of culture. We want to, in a sense, die on that hill and never stop being ready to welcome and being sensitive to all the different spiritual journeys that are going to find their way towards and through our doors. There's also um, this really interesting thing in verse 4 where the, the words of Jesus to this church are, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first. And you almost, almost start to conjure the image of that scene in Top Gun when, in the bar when Tom Cruise you know, grabs the mic and you've lost that love and feeling, right? Anybody? You want me to keep going? 
and it's gone, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. You get that sense of you've lost the love to which you first, you know, remember how far you've fallen. And what's that all about? I mean, essentially, what's kind of fun about this letter is some of the, a lot of the main allusions to the church in Ephesus, we don't really know what a lot of is going on. Who are the Nicolaitans? We don't know. We don't know what they believed. But for some reason, Jesus was happy that they didn't go with those beliefs. But your first love, everybody says pretty much the main guess would be, well, this has to do with the gospel of grace. This has to do with the love of God and that sort of initial surprising excitement of how much God loves us and how that then flows out into relationships with other people. Your first love. Maybe they were getting caught up in other things and forgetting kind of the essential beginning surprise of the Christian faith. I think that's, you know, we want, we want to have that as an evaluation point at City Life as well. Never forgetting the surprising nature of the Christian faith that it's not about you're going to obey enough so that you eventually feel some sense of acceptance with God. Not that you accumulate enough points in the sort of the church system to be to arrive at a final place, a good place, maybe heaven, if you accumulate enough points. It's not that you're just going to do a whole bunch of things that quite frankly seem irrelevant, but you're being told that they're important to God. <laughs> so you need to do these really irrelevant seeming things. The gospel is, if you go any of those routes, you're forgetting the first love of the Christian community, the radical acceptance that has landed in your life. God has secured your place at his table despite the worst that you're going to throw at him in your life. And he's going to refuse to run away from you and to let go of you. It's the radical welcome. Not that you obey so that you get accepted, but you're so accepted that you start to wonder, how might I obey as I live in the context of such radical grace that I don't deserve? You've got a God who's saying to you, I have seen all the praiseworthy things of your life, but I have also seen all the cringeworthy things of your life. <laughs> and I still am on your side. I'm still pulling you home and drawing you close. The offer is on the table and it's never going to go away, despite all of what I see. The Christian is surprised when they discover the gospel, surprised by the intensity and the magnitude of this love, that there's this God that really the way it should work in all of just, if everything's happening in a just way, what should happen is God should come to us with a whole list of demands, and those demands involve just total humility, falling on our knees, apologizing at every turn, and somehow maybe trying to work our way back into God's good graces. And instead, he comes to earth in abject poverty and in utter humility. And I think Isaiah chapter 53, predicting the ministry of Jesus, says it best. Surely he took upon himself our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we were healed. That's the exact message needed. That surprising message of the Christian gospel. 
It's the exact message needed if you're sitting here this morning and it's your first consideration of the Christian faith or your second time considering it or your fifth decade trying to live in it and embrace it. It's the same thing you need from the beginning of your journey to the end. This is a radical surprise of your first love. Never fall from it. In a city life, we never want to fall from it. That's our, that's our core message. Now, there's one other thing that's in here that's pretty prominent, and that is the idea of hard work. <laughs> hard work. So um, in verse 2, you see this, this interesting statement. It makes you really want to kind of see what this church is like and um, see them up close. I'm going to head over here because I think, I think the air conditioning is not on. Maybe it's just me, but no, it's not on. I think thermostat off means that it's not on. There we go. I heard that. All right. I heard the hum of the, gener- of the motor starting. So last of all, this verse here, this is really interesting. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. And continuing on in the mission of City Life Church, for it to continue, and I know many of you really, really love this church, and it's been huge in your development of understanding yourself, understanding God, working through issues and wounds in your life. In order for this church to to move into the future and continue to move forward in mission, there's a sense in which it's always going to take hard work and maybe it's going to take hard work of just this, just the reminder of um, we exist for others. We exist for people that you're talking to every day of every week, neighbors, friends. Um, I had a moment. It surprises us because we don't always think this way, and I'm the, probably the worst at it. I was talking to a neighbor whose wife, I found out, I didn't know, his wife had died a month earlier, and this is someone right down the street from me. And as he's telling me this, I'm shocked. And then it was, wasn't until after the conversation was over, in a sense, that, that kind of that little reminder that like, oh yeah, that's what, you know, the, the gospel and God's love has a lot to say and to offer to that person. I have no clue if, if it ever, it'll ever connect. But just the idea that that thought kind of finally passed through my mind and I hadn't, even in talking to him, it hadn't crossed my mind. I just was soaking it in and not thinking. But that idea that, so maybe there's a certain amount of like the hard work is just in reorienting your mind towards this isn't just for you, this is for others, this exists for others. And you might, there might be folks in your life that there's in some way God's going to use you to connect this place to them. And we've got all these opportunities coming up like the camping trip and the hangouts. So deeds, hard work, in some way, thinking about who this might exist for in your life, but also it's there's just some tangible things like the business and the, the running of things to, for there to be these great landing points for people like you along your journey where you can plug into a, like a community pod, our small groups. So you can look at different folks who have done hard work at City Life Church. And there's a lot of stuff that goes really unnoticed. I think of, and I got permission to, by the way, to mention some particular people, but I don't think any of them are here. So that's probably why they give me permission. But I think of Lori Rose persevering in leading the small group on um, Tuesday nights. Just it's it's been she's been involved in small groups at City Life for probably at least six years, and most of those in some way in what she would call facilitating. She's one not not a leader, not a leader. But if you go to the group, you would say, yeah, there's different ways of leading, and she's she's leading through serving and through being faithful and dependable, and being so loving. 
Tuesday night pod, Lori. I think of just the years of that going in many ways unnoticed, but a core thing for City Life Church. I think of Stephanie Nelson, who I think is here, but she's next door. And she took this crucial role at one point to say, I'll be this person who stations myself in the nursery and blesses the littlest of our community three weeks out of a month and then joins over here for worship on you know, the free Sunday each month. There's a sort of a sacrifice to that, a sort of no one's going to notice that in a sense. Maybe just, oh, I haven't seen you in a while, but not really seeing what she's doing as a part of just helping this community be good for families with small children. And I think of Dana, and I think of Dana as being someone who, um, Dana as being someone, again, she's not here, so I can't like point her out, and she doesn't have to be embarrassed, but someone who has done, and there's many of you like this. I could name, I could go through a list of another half a dozen, but people who, whatever comes up, you say, well, I'll take that and I'll do that for a while. So Dana's been that kind of person with some of our serving ministries and our safe ground homelessness outreach uh, ministry. But then this past school year, she's been the foundation for our big kids group that we have during the service. Kind of like if she wasn't here, maybe it wouldn't have existed for the last, for this school year that just came to a close. Teaching them about God, having fun with them. Might not even ever notice that she's been doing that kind of stuff. And yet it's this huge thing of deeds that are hard work that go unnoticed but are the way that our mission and God's mission is upheld. So find yourself in this mission. For some people, it's just that reminder that, hey, we exist for others. And what you need is exactly just that challenge I mentioned of, of being in prayer and perhaps beginning to think, how do I, how do I serve this city through city life? How, does, how do I invite into city life because this exists for others. Some of you, very different message, you need to protect your perseverance. <laughs> your perseverance level needs to be protected and you need to not overcommit and get burned out so that you can just continue to be a part of this. So people have been, some people have been great at this, at saying, I think it's time for me to back off a little on that particular commitment. And that might be a great time for you to you know, empower and invite others along to do what you do and to take over something or to be involved or to support. And others, this just may be your time where you're sitting here and you're saying, you know, you really feel this is my time to actually step in for the first time maybe to something, some way of just helping this be what it is, this place be a place that has, has the things going on that need to happen in order for others to come and connect with God and grow in that first love of grace. Where do you fit in this mission? Where do you fit? Let's pray. Gracious God, um, as City Life Church moves forward, as we move into the summer months, and then as we move into the fall, and then as we um, kind of move into our first season, coming towards the end of summer and beginning of fall, where we have a leadership team in place as we have five servants who will help protect the mission and encourage and help the mission blossom. Um, and as we enter all new unknowns and perhaps urgent time periods as a community, continue to lead us, please, and guide us and help us to keep first things first. And second things second, and third things third. So that we have, in a sense, our priorities right in what we're hoping to do in this city and with our friends.
that they might know you better and be conduits and channels of your love and your blessing to this city. We're your humble servants at this task, (laughs) always aware that we might be evaluated poorly or we might be evaluated wonderfully. And with that humility, we say, please use us. Guide us and use us and shepherd this journey as a church as we continue. Bring on new people to new roles. Help people to take the breaks they need. And bring new friends. As we begin, some of us praying for opportunities to connect with other people and to invite them, would you open doors that we never thought possible? And bring people who desperately need wounds healed and need to experience your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.